Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What are you trying to say with the ending of this show? What do you want people to do? And I was like, yo, I just feel like I really want people to watch Living Last Black. And I want them to leave knowing that they shouldn't give up. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to writer and director Johnny Salmon. Hello, I'm Steve Whiteley and welcome to Balancing Acts, a series of conversations with an array of creatives. We talk about their journey, the struggles they faced whilst progressing their career, strategies they use to unlock their creativity, how they balance their career with their personal lives, what impact this has had on their mental health and lots more. Balancing Acts is made in association with the Comedy Crowd who support independent comedy creators. They showcase the best new videos on ComedyCrowdTV.com and across media platforms. They support independent comedy creators and showcase the best new videos including adult animation, sketch shows, web series, viral hits and lots more. So if you're a creator, then do check them out. Ajani is an award-winning writer and director from Jamaica. Before graduating from the Met Film School, he created and ran a production company making adverts and corporate videos. During this time, he wrote and directed a 13-episode web series which amassed over 40,000 views in uh, three months. Ajani then decided to move to the UK and pursue a master's in directing film. His graduation film, His Father's Son, was screened at numerous film festivals internationally, including Cannes, Blackstar and the Montreal World Film Festival. He is also the writer, producer and lead actor for the award-winning web series Dreaming Whilst Black and is the co-founder of production company Four Quarter Films. So, first of all, welcome back. Not sure if I'm welcoming myself back. Um, it's, it's just a general welcome back. Welcome back to uh, the first new episode of 2021, The Year of Hope. <laughs> Who was naive like me and thought, yeah, this is, it's all going to change once the clock strikes 12 and uh, the number changes from zero to one. It's just going to be, it's going to be full of hope and uh, positivity. And I, I am an optimist by nature, but uh, I think we can all agree it hasn't got off to the best of starts. But uh, it, it can only go uphill 
one hopes from here. Short, surely you can't go further downhill, can it? Can it? That aside, I like to think that this podcast series is a home for inspiration and to hear about, obviously, people's creative journeys. And so let's let's use it as a form of escapism and pretend that the outside world is 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 fine. Or at the very least, we're going to park it to one side as we listen to the creative journey of the very inspiring Ajani Salmon. This is a great way to kick off, I guess, the new series of 2021. Although, you know, there is no series, it's just episodes. But that's the way I look at it in my head. It's a new series, it's a new start. It's a fresh new start for Balancing Acts in 2021. We recorded this just before Christmas. I decided to hold back from releasing it because I just fancied having uh, a couple of weeks just not doing much. I hope you can forgive me for that. Caught up on some series and books and so forth. So I think we're, we're kicking off 2021 in fine style with this conversation. Yeah, we covered loads of ground, Ajani and I. Ajani explains how the accumulation of a few years' work led him to actually having a really good 2020 career-wise. We discuss the danger in getting caught up in the TV or film industry as opposed to just focusing on creating your your own work. Ajani describes how he moved from Jamaica to the UK to pursue his dream of being a filmmaker and what he got out of going to film school. He talks about his experiences of working at Pinewood Studios and how they informed some of the stories of his uh, web series Dreaming Whilst Black. Ajani also describes the experience of winning film festival awards all over the world and going viral, but why he still felt that the web series had underperformed. Ajani explains why the short film festival circuit should be given more love and respect from the industry. He talks about the importance of getting feedback from your filmmaking contemporaries, but to make sure you choose them wisely. He explains why he decided to only direct one episode of Dreaming Whilst Black and instead to bring on board other people to direct the web series. He describes how he rewrote the ending to uh, Dreaming Whilst Black on the day of shooting it. And he also describes how that came about. Uh, We talk about his favourite filmmakers, why he set up his production company, and we have an important discussion on his thoughts and whether there's been progress in the push for diversity in the TV and film industry, and why he's driven to become self-sustainable and is motivated by this idea of building your own table. We discuss whether setback means that particular project you're working on is not for you, or in fact doesn't mean you need to double down and work harder at it, how to figure out what the idea you should be focusing on is or how to take action and when and loads more this was a really really enjoyable conversation i think you're going to get a lot out of it whether you're an aspiring writer or director ajani delivers the goods and there's pearls of wisdom throughout so without further ado over to ajani I feel like it's a good time for us to have this conversation. You know, we've reached the end of the year. How have you found this past year? Have you, like, despite all the obstacles, have you still managed to be productive? And can you look back at it saying, you know what, actually, this is this has been a good year for me career-wise? Um, it's weird because I feel like I can say that. And... I th- but I do think that it's bec- it's an a- accumulation of steps which have been made for the past couple of years. Yeah. That course, just yeah. bubbled over into this year. 
Yeah. So because of Dreaming Was Black and a few other projects which I've been working on, mm-hmm. I kind of came into the year writing Dreaming Was Black's pilot, mm-hmm. which, was, which was great. And I ended up getting another script commission just before lockdown. So throughout lockdown, because I had those two scripts working on it, it was very like, oh, cool, I have something to do. And also the lockdown time just gave me time to really reflect you know, because in the industry, I'm always trying to like go to meetings and like network and oh, meet this person that's commissioner for this meeting, which is not going to go nowhere, or you know, all of that shit. And yeah, that time to just stop and no one's calling me, my agent don't have anything for me, like nothing, like literally nothing. It's just like, okay, cool, let me stop and think, where do I want to be and how can I get there? How can I work on myself? Like, how am I? you know and yeah, yeah man, I, just, I, I, I feel that I've, i totally feel that and what what conclusions or epiphanies did you come to um i feel like for now at least is just reflecting on my career so far is the best the biggest leaps i've taken forward is when i've done stuff myself mm-hmm and that was how I started in the industry. Like back in Jamaica, I did like a little sketch series thing. Okay. Um, like 2011. And, but okay. that landed me a job as an editor's assistant for like the top editor in the country. Okay. Right. Um, fast forward, what, 2011, 2018. So fast forward seven years, I drop a web series. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm signed. I'm writing. I'm now writing it for TV. Um, right. I'm in writer's rooms. I mean, shit, I met you. I met you because of Dream Was Black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just looking at my career over the lockdown. Because I, I don't know, I feel like because you don't really release work that often as a, like a filmmaker, I was like, yo, like, what am I doing? And I was like, actually, I need to do my own shit. Mm-hmm. That's the formula. It's been, it worked for me twice. It'll work again. You know, so yeah, man, I just need to take more ownership of creating independent work. That's really the epiphany. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like you can create something and then as a result, it leads to opportunities. But then you're at that that, that next point and you're kind of like, oh, what now? And then you're like, well, well, it worked for me last time. I should just create something again. But there's always that moment of hesitation or self-doubt, like, should I, should, can I actually make this thing? Can I make this project? You know, but when it's like, it's clearly like it's the obvious next route, isn't it? It's the obvious next point on your journey. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I feel like there's doubt because there's more pressure. In yeah. sense, when I made Dreaming Was Black, no one knew who I was. So yeah. if, it, if it had come out and it was shit, it would have been like, I mean, I don't even know who that nigga was anyway. Right. And yeah. whereas now, when it's like, oh, Johnny did this thing. And it's like, okay, cool. If I do this thing. Now they're like, yo, make sure it's at least as good. Yeah. But if I'm not even as good, it needs to be better than the last thing. Yeah. And it's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, what is that thing? Yeah. But it's definitely the most, I feel like it's easy to get caught up in the, in the industry. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy to become a jobbing writer, a jobbing director, and you just end up working. And it's like, actually, are you working on projects that are fulfilling? Are you working on projects that you want to make that what you're passionate about? 
And I feel like a lot of the time is no. So for me, I kind of feel like I got caught into that in that cycle a little bit. And I just had to kind of pull myself back and be like, actually, nah, bro, like, do the shit that you care about. And if no one's optioning it at the moment or no one wants to fund it at the moment, that's fine. No one was, no one was looking at you anyway. Like, yeah. no one was looking at me two years ago. So, and I was still making work. So why do I care that people are looking at me now, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. And I can, I can fully relate to what you say. You've got to make you got to make what you want to make for you and, no, and for nobody else. I, I think that's, a, that's where you start going wrong straight away. As soon as you start guessing what the industry might want or what you mm-hmm. think X, Y, or Z wrong, then it's sort of like you're losing whatever authentic voice you've got, you know? Yeah, because um, you have to please other people. Yeah, exactly. So just take me back a bit. So I, I, obviously I know you, you hailed originally from Jamaica. How old were you when you made the move to the UK? And was it uh, specifically for career reasons? Uh, yeah, so I came, up, I came up for uni, that's like 2007. Okay. I, came, I did a degree in architecture and moved back home. I literally just came up for uni, stayed in dorms, went home Christmas and summer. Okay. And, but when I was back in Jamaica, I switched over to film. So in 2013, I came here to go to, to do a master's because I just figured like, I don't know, you know, Jamaica's small and, you know, there are not that many productions going on, like, on a certain, at a certain level. So I was like, yo, you know, let me come to film school and learn because it was like, you know, when you research directors, I researched like my favorite directors and it was either film school or they like were, lived on film sets, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, well, I'm not living on film sets so i guess i must go to school boom came up to england and went to film school how was that experience um interesting interesting i feel like it was it film school there was exponential growth because i think it formal it challenged how i work as a filmmaker or as an artist who am i as an artist mm-hmm. i think it asked that question all the time because like in film school, like for me, we made seven films in one year. Wow. Now, yes, I did that when I made the web series back in 2011, but I wasn't being critiqued on every script, every acting choice, every da 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 why did you do that, why did you do that, why? So just to have like a space to play and explore and have someone critique and challenge your every decision for me really made me like find my voice much faster where I remember even my grad film, my tutor just said to me, he was like, you know what? The best, the best parts of your film are when people don't speak. And I was like, that's right. Let me just go out and just delete all the dialogue. Mm. (laughs) And I literally just deleted as much dialogue as possible. And so yeah, and just finding who I want to be, what type of stories I want to tell, what do I care about, all of that stuff. It was a great kind of safe space to do that. Plus for me, pay to go to film school, all the equipment's there, all the you know actors are on their roster, all of that stuff. So it was a good like experience to really like find my voice as a filmmaker. And when you made uh, Dreaming Whilst Black, was a lot of the was the story and the journey of the protagonist that is that loosely based on your journey as a filmmaker or was there was it a mixture of of sort of reality and fiction uh it's 
definitely like made up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that was one of the big things. It's weird because I acted in it. It's almost like even when we're like giving script notes, sometimes I'd be like, yo, bro, but I wouldn't do that. And Ali would have to remind, it's not you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a made up person. Yeah. So it's fine. They would do it. And but no, I would say it's bro. I just collected like I said, being in film school and just being in the industry here, yeah. like in the short time. Cause I worked when I left film school. I was in Pinewood, like working in the art department. Okay, just see shit. Like you see shit all the time, and every yeah. time you meet up with your friends, people are telling you shit. And it was just like bro, like let me just make a web series that's about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just dashing everybody's stories into like one person. And I think more so the stories, like the incidents are like a compilation of people. Mm-hmm. And then we generated a character that served our, that served that story's purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah. And did you expect it to do as well as it did once it was released online? You know what? Yeah. <laughs> People will say, some people might say no, but the people who know me closely will know that it actually underperformed. Okay, okay. Right. And it's done well. Yeah. But, um, but it's in different ways. So, like, I remember I was saying, yo, I think this can go, like, viral, bro. This can hit, yeah, like, yeah. 100,000 views. And it didn't. I think the first episode is like 17,000 views. Mm-hmm. So clearly it didn't go viral. You know what I mean? But I did think that we made a great product and I did think that people would love it, which people mm-hmm. do. I just thought it would share and become this like massive thing. Yeah. Which I guess it became a massive thing in a way that I didn't, un- you know, I didn't expect. Okay. So like we didn't know that there were film festivals that take web series. Mm. So... But that wasn't even in the the the, the remit. Mm. It's only like halfway through, and somebody was like, "Oh, like you know, they have a film festival for like web series." Mm. I was like, "Oh, sick!" So like, let's apply. Apply to the one thing, and it was like, "Oh, there's a whole like range, like like there's literally a guy who created this thing called like the Web Series World Cup, which he is a fan of online content, and he went, he goes around all the festivals." that have web series categories and then tallies up the wins, the the wins, the nominations and the acceptances of web series. Okay. okay. And it's like a, a roster. As soon as we found that out, we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I will literally just said, cool, what does he value as like worthy? Because not all web film festivals he values as like to be in the World Cup. So we literally does like, who does he value? All right, cool. Boom, 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 boom. Apply to all these festivals, see if we can get in. So the fact that we won all these awards all over the world, we didn't expect that. Because we didn't just, we didn't even, it wasn't even in our head mm. to do. So that was great. And I think that came with a certain level of clout that we couldn't expect either. Like where we're walking into space and people are like, yo, we heard about you from there. Right. You know, or... um yeah, man. So I think, yeah, the only yeah, man. The only thing I, I I regret not doing, which maybe wouldn't have happened, is I remember I was saying to them, and this is from before. I was like, listen, I want to make an Emmy nominated show. I don't care. And I googled because two web series I've made 
have been nominated for an Emmy, just okay. two. Okay. And I watched those two and I was like, all right, cool. I just need to make mine at least as good as theirs. Mm-hmm. After, I was like, when, I, when we finished the show, I was like, fuck it, I don't care. I think Dream Was Black is as sick as Brown Girls and Her Story, which is on YouTube. So I said, all right, cool. Check the Emmy thing. The Emmy thing come up 400 US to submit. I said, rah. Do I really want to spend 400 US on a very, 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 very long shot? Arguably an egotistical long shot. Like, this is not even make sense. This is just ego. It's like, nah, don't it. It's not worth it. I do have 400 pounds anyway. But that's before we started winning all over the world. Right, right. Which is so, which I'm just like, bro, would we have gotten it? Nice. You know, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know. And that's one of those but, things. That, but I can, I can fully relate to that because I had the same situation with, uh, with a few different festivals. There was the Lovey Awards, but I mm. did, I, I did go all in, I, and you know, it did pay off. It pay, paid off. Like we, we won the the Lovey Awards, and it was good. Mm-hmm. It was a, you know, it was a great experience going there at the BFI, etc. But yeah, with yeah. all these things, it's very difficult to know what what's the outcome of that. You know, what is the results? Like, because there's lots of things that happen and it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly where those results have come from on that yeah. project's journey. You know, like, was it part of your plan that off the back of releasing this web series, you were going to get representation and you were going to get an option on the script or were those byproducts that came as a nice surprise? So I always thought that Dreaming Was Black could be a TV show. Okay. And uh, yeah, I just always I just knew it's a sick TV show idea where yeah. it was made series. But I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So one of the goals was the actual goal, the KPIs for the show was hundred thousand views on the first app, getting commissioned to make a series. Mm-hmm. How we'd get to those things, yeah, we'll see. Um, but you're right, because when we got optioned, when the show got optioned and then got commissioned, the, the pilot got commissioned, they hadn't, they didn't know that we won all these awards. So when we were like, yeah, you know, we just won an award at this festival, they're oh, that's nice. It's funny, I'm isn't like, it? What? Uh, this is a big deal. Exactly that. <laughs> it's so it's so funny, man. Like it's his own little ecosystem. Like the festival, you know, yeah. that whole circuit is his own ecosystem. And as a filmmaker, you are just like you you're popping. You know what I mean, you're just like, oh, this is sick. You know, like we've arrived. But then you go in for a meeting with a TV exec. They have no idea. No, I mean, sometimes I, they do. Sometimes they do, but it doesn't. It does. They don't attach the same level of important as importance to it as we would think that they might. And I think that that's at the detriment to them, if I'm being perfectly honest, because the festival circuit, like I've seen some spectacular work. Mm. Like Dreaming Was Black doesn't always win shit. Like mm. a lot of the times we don't. And the people that beat us are crazy. Like, I've watched film. Like, I've gone to I've gone to film festivals where I'm thinking, yeah, Dream was Black's the shit. We just won this this best comedy. Yeah, yeah. I to a, like I went to a festival in Valencia, and I just sat from the first block of screenings. I was like, oh shit, yeah. 
Like, that, that itself is, is, is a good learning curve because it's a humbling experience. Yeah. Because you, you can, once you've run a few festivals or you got into like BAFTA or Oscar qualifying festivals, you're like, oh yeah, my, my film is the shit. You know, and then you go, uh -huh. in, you go to some festivals and you're just like, your mind is blown at the level of quality of some that's films. The level of quality. And I think there's an, I, I definitely think, and um, that's just in film in general, that there's an arrogance of, english-speaking filmmaking of the english-speaking cinema yeah that english films are some of the best films because when you start checking out some of these spanish films these argentinian yes, films yes, and some of these films some of these french films you're like what like it's nuts yeah and so it, that's a great experience so that's the thing i feel like the festival circuit has its own value in just opening your mind Mm -hmm. to like what's out there what can be created but you're right like there were there were moments there were mo and again that don't even talk about mentally there were moments where dreaming was black on this list dreaming was black was the highest the highest ranked web series in the world mm. and we were and i was unsigned no money no job prospect no one's trying to call me and i'm looking at these trophies like what the fuck is the value of this yeah like what is the value of all of this shit? Cool, I've won. Cool, Jim Ross Black's the best web season in the world. What does that mean? I can't buy shit with that. No one, and every meeting I got to, they don't even know, and no. they don't care. But it looks good on your bio, bro. <laughs> oh my God. Like, it's all about the bio. <laughs> like, it's just like, what is that? <laughs> It's true. That's what it comes down to. It's like perception is everything. And whilst some people, industry people, whatever you might say, might not buy into that or, or it might not attach a great deal of importance for the overall package of you as the filmmaker it is important because it's you know yeah. it shows that you have now a track record you've done things that other people respect uh, as a creative yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and it's good to be acknowledged by your peers as well for i sure. think that we've gone off on a tangent about series but it's good to because i think that what festivals is other filmmakers who are like yo you think sick yeah exactly like, and it's good to get respect from other artists because quite frankly um not all viewers not all not everybody who watches what you watch will like it and yeah to be honest most people most general viewers like i live with my cousins three quarters of shit that i care about they don't mm -hmm. like they watch loads of shit with like terrible sound or loads of shit that don't have like great cinematography because they don't care they're there for the story yeah right and so it's it's that fine balance of okay cool i want to create art that like certain demographics can engage with but i also want my fellow artists to respect it as well yeah and then as and as and as a byproduct as well you're developing your your networking circle you know you've got these people now that you can collaborate and that's the thing that really opened my eyes as well is like i'd have pockets of people that i would work with but once I started to go into the festival circuit and you meet all these other filmmakers, it's like this whole other world window opens up to you, you know, and people are like up for collaborating and, and that's, yeah. that's really good. I think it's very supportive. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And on the writing side of things, cause we see, you know, you, you wrote um, the web series as well. I know you were meticulous in, in the writing process. 
talk me through how many drafts you were doing per episode and how did that writing process um, manifest? Was it a case of you were writing it and then you would pass it out to three of your close collaborators and they would give notes? How, how did it all come about? Um, so, Driven Last Black is written by myself and my writing partner, Ali. Okay. On this show specifically. And to be honest, the process just started as initially I was writing scripts and, you know, me and my company, Four Quarter Films, we were just going to make it. And halfway through, they were like, bro, like, dude, we should probably get help on this mm-hmm. because it's like super long time, all of that stuff. And just like, they were like, Ali's, you know, he did his master's in writing. So I was like, cool. I am struggling to kind of get my head around all of this stuff. And Ali came on and we started reshaping the scripts, you know, his creator structure, all of that stuff. And we would write together. So we'd write, we'd just bat the scripts back and forth or we'd sit down together, literally both of us by a laptop. All right, cool. Blah, 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 blah. Write it out together. And yeah, we'd send it out to the, so we'd send it out to the directors of the episode. By that point, we had assigned directors to episodes. So we'd you send directing it. I didn't direct, oh no, I directed one episode. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so talk me through that decision, because that's quite, um, that's quite a, uh, it's a generous thing to do. I think it like, you, is, you know. You've got to really be able to detach your ego from that, because you know that you're, you're an accomplished director. You know that you could have directed it yourself. So did you just arrive at the decision, do you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of co-writing this, I'm acting in it, I think it will benefit the project more if I get someone else's eyes on it. Or what was the reason? Um, so obviously the thing is when I made the web series, I was just like, I didn't, I don't need to direct all of it. Okay. I, it's like, cool. I, I was, it was funny enough. You say it's an ego thing to direct all of it. It was almost an ego thing to direct one. Okay. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't need, I'm the showrunner. Like my game, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. what's my game, Vin, whoever does, Breaking Bad, he only directed the final episode. Yeah. Right? So it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and it was just also fun to collaborate with friends. Yeah. Like, you know, so the company's here, cool, everybody get two episodes. We have more episodes. All right, yeah, like, let's bring in Rob or let's bring in Ali. Like, you know, it was just like, yo, let's just all do this thing. Yeah. Right? Um, so that was really the, the, the idea. It's only after I got signed and my agents, like, yo bro i'm trying to get directing work and he was like bro why the hell didn't you direct more episodes <laughs> and i'm just yeah. like damn maybe i really should have like directed a few more episodes <laughs> like you know what i mean because then it would have bolstered up at least my cv worse than what i, I directed the last episode yeah. which no commissioner watches they watch episode one and be like great let's call him yeah 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 but then when I'm trying to get directing work and they're like, oh, you know, Ajani, Dreaming Wise Black, they're like, oh, did you do episode one? It's like, nah, I did episode nine. They're like, oh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't see that one. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's, it's <laughs> such a mad process. But no, we'd show it to like, sometimes when we get to like polished scripts, yeah, I'd send it out to like close friends just to see like, yo, like, or like ask for advice on certain things. Like, yo, like send it out to our budget, you know, da, da, da. Yeah. Because I don't really, I don't really, I don't have that many friends who I seek script advice from. Okay. So, yeah, because I'm very particular about, like, like who do I think will, will enhance what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, and it's not to say I don't know many great writers. I do. 
but it's just again personal style because you know everybody puts their opinion like we work together mm. like i just gave you my opinion on your team mm. you can fully say he doesn't get my vision so i'm not doing it mm. right i'm not doing those notes because he doesn't get my vision so it's about finding people who like understand what i was trying to do and so i know that at least their notes are in line with what i'm trying to do not what they want to do they're not what they want to see i feel like a lot of that's the thing with being even a script editor i feel like a lot of times when people read scripts people give notes based on what they would like to see it's almost like when people critique films like my cousins my, my, again my cousins you know they're not in film at all the teachers but one one loves the Joker. The other one hates the Joker because he's like, nah, it should have been about the Joker as Joker. I'm like, brother, that's a whole other film. <laughs> like, then he's like, then it shouldn't have been called Joker. I'm like, what? Uh, funny, man. <laughs> you see what I mean? So a lot of people have, I feel like a lot of people give notes or give feedback based on what they want to see. Yeah. Not what the artist wants to do. But then it's so, a very, um, it's quite a challenging process to navigate that, isn't it? To, mm-hmm. try and to take in those notes and process that and figure out what is best for my project. And you've got to be, I think, yeah. quite, you've got to have, I feel like you've got to have, you've got to be quite strong. Your mindset's got, you've got a quite strong mind and vision, but at the same time be flexible as well and be able to take in. Uh, people's ideas yeah you have to be absolutely clear on what is it you're trying to say what what are you because that that is what everything hinges on every note hinges on that thing if you know and a lot of the times i feel like you don't sometimes you're not quite sure what you're trying to say actually Mm -hmm. like you kind of know but you're not quite sure and that's why an idea that's like kind of adjacent to your vision can pull you away because you kind of don't, you don't 100, 100%, 100% know. Like even for myself, Dreaming Wise Black, we changed the ending on the day of shooting the ending. Mm-hmm. Because literally we're shooting the ending and it was supposed to be, Corbina gets into like one final film festival. Last film festival, like if everything's done and out, but he gets into a festival at the end, hooray. And we're shooting the scene and the DP is just, just stops and it's just, it's like, probably doesn't deserve it. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Kwame doesn't deserve it. And it was a whole conversation about, fam, why is he getting into this festival? And I'm like, brother, we're trying to shoot this scene you're chatting about. Like, yeah, yeah, and that's the DP <laughs> saying that. You're the DP? I'm wow. like, brother, roll the camera and <laughs> shut up, fam. <laughs> and he was just, I just don't think, he's like, bro, what are you trying to say? And I was like, oh, you know, it's about a guy trying to be a fit. He's like, nah, bro. What are you trying to say with the ending of this show? What do you want people to do? And I was like, yo, I just feel like I really want people to watch Dreaming Was Black. And I want them to leave knowing that they shouldn't give up. That's what I want people to, 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 to watch the show. And wherever they are in their career, they should be like, nah, I need to keep grinding. And he's like, brother, so if he gets into Sundance, how, what, what message is that? He's like, none of us here have gotten into Sundance. We're not here because we've gotten a win. We're here because we've lost, but we still believe in winning. He's like, brother, I don't think you should get into it. And I was like, rewrite right there and then. 
And it's like, all right, cool. We look in the edit and we're like, all right, cool. Obviously, we have this new ending. We kind of have to like rejig certain things for make this new ending now make sense. Yeah. And then we ended up like shooting the following weekend to like do these like two scenes to make it make sense. But again, the only reason why we made that decision was because I knew exactly what is it, what do I want to say? And that's why Dreaming Was Black, I guess, somewhat ends on like this tragedy of like, Raw, like, man, quit, bro. Because it's like, you should watch it and feel bad that he quit and say, I can't do what he did. I can't mm-hmm. make the mistake he made. I have to press true. Right? So I was like, so that's why it's so important, man, knowing what. But sometimes you don't know what you want to say until it's done. <laughs> like, I feel like, again, I figured out what Dreaming Was Black was about on that moment. Yeah, it's crazy. And I wish I'd shot all the episodes already and I'm just figuring out what this shit's about. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've made work and not known what it's fully about until, like, I'm at a film festival for a grad film and a woman, you know, a film because is like, I just love how your car- you explore the nuances of masculinity in a home. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that what it's about? Did you, <laughs> like, did, you, did you blag it? Did you blag it? And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was like, yeah, you know, like, that's kind of my vibe, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, yeah. And, but that spun me. I was thinking, oh, that's what your film's about, you know? Yeah, it's mad. And so I feel like I'm learning, the more I'm growing, is the closer I'm figuring out what my work is about. Mm. Like, and I do wonder sometimes, like, when will I find, when will I get to the point where, like, I know what it's about before I've finished writing the script? Yeah. Which is weird to even say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it means it's a work in progress, isn't it? It's a, yeah. Who, who's your, um, who are the filmmakers that you've always looked up to? Who are the ones who've got the career that you're like, yeah, that's, that's where I'm heading. That's what I would like to achieve in terms of their artistry and, and their, their overall career? Um, to be honest, I feel like there isn't... I like different people for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So I think, for example, I, like I, res- I like Scorsese for the fact that he's in his 70s still making work. Yeah, it's incredible. incredible. Like, I feel an incredible work. And not like old people work. Like, I nev- for me, what spun me was when he made Hugo which I'm like, wow, this is, a kid's, this is such a like, deep but children's film after making all these violent films. And then made Wolf of Wall Street. Bro, how does someone in their 70s make Wolf of Wall Street? And it feel like, like if you told me like the next Michael Bay did Wolf of Wall Street, I'd be like, yeah, easy. Yeah, this is yeah. a 25-year-old kid who, who just took their drugs and it's on that. Yeah. But he made it. Mm. Right? And apparently he couldn't even watch some of the scenes he was he was directing. He was just like, yo, just do that shit. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> you know what I mean? Like I said, in the plane scene, he was just like, guys, so this is what you're going to do. All right, cool. Like, just let me know when you're done. Right. right? No, so I respect him for that. Again, Spielberg, same thing. Hits. You can't, like, mm. hear hits. Um, but then I wouldn't necessarily make work that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone like, for example, like Christopher Nolan, what I love about his films, even though I don't make his type of work either, is 
he's found a way to tell extremely complex ideas in a super digestible way. Mm-hmm. Like, like he always tells from inception, from the dark night, mm. super complex ideas. But let's just make it a, a comic book hero. Or let's talk about the fact that like, the only thing that transcends space and time is love. But let's make it a space travel film. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? Uh, like, you know, his ability to break down super complex ideas in a digestible and palatable way, I think is exceptional. And to be honest, I don't think, I don't think Chris Nolan has a miss. I feel like I love that career. Every film, no matter what I'm making, banger, boom, banger. Like, that's it. Um, Were you feeling Tenet? I do, bro, but did you watch it IMAX though? Nah. Bro, just don't watch it think IMAX, bro. You do. Like, I think Tenet, for me, when I watched Tenet, my head was spun by like, where do you begin creating the screenplay? Like, yeah, it's insane. It's a mind fuck. I was just watching this. Like, when I realized what was, I said, shut the fuck up. I said, nah, this is dumb. It's nuts. Did you get, did you get it all on the first watch? Um, I feel like I got the main gist. Yeah. And then I went home and watched a, like, you know, what you've missed in Tenet. Mm. And that just, I said, nah, that's nuts. Like, I, then I went back and watched it again. That's what I had to do. Plus, plus scroll through uh, numerous subreddits. And yeah, then, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like the exit was just like, but, but that, again, it's like, even if you didn't, that's the thing for me. Even if you don't get all the macro shit, it's still just some weird space travel heist film. Mm. And it's entertaining for that reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. There's, le- there's levels. There's levels. Yeah, there are layers to it. And I think mm. that's for me as a filmmaker where I want to make work that even if you don't get the deeper shit on me that try to say, that's cool. You are still... Ent- Dreaming Once Black is like that. There are loads of things. There are loads of jokes in Dreaming Was Black and layers to Dreaming Was Black, like the Great British Race Off, where, which was heavily influenced by Natasha, actually, the director, that if you didn't get it, you just enjoy the race and different people are going through obstacles. Mm-hmm. You might get the second layer of clearly this represents how people go for a job, right? But then there's subtler nuances in there, like the name tags on the shirts were postcodes. So it's also like a question on that, or it was actually based on the statistics of a direct of directors in the UK. Just you know what I mean? Like layers, like, and you don't have to get all of it. That's cool, yeah. but I yeah. know it's there. Yeah, you know. But yeah, so there are loads of people, and then man, the the sensitivity I think of Barry Jenkins, mm. the 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 this particularness of Bong Bong Joon Ho, I think the immersiveness of Paolo Sorrentino. Those are those are my guys. Did you see, um, you know, the director Joe Talbot? Did you see the film uh, The Last Black Man in, Sa- in San Francisco? I haven't seen it yet. Like that is the the best debut feature I've seen in so long. That shit just mm-hmm. blew my mind. It was so complete. At the time, I didn't know 
that it was a debut. <laughs> like, after it was like, I got to look at this guy's. What, what else was he done? Was he done? Like, yeah. And then it's one of those ones where you just like you watch it and you're like, oh man, like there's a lot of work to be done. You know, like, yeah. this, this guy's he's fully formed. He's come out fully. He's come formed. out fully baked. <laughs> you know, it's just like there, fresh on the baking tray. Uh, nah, man. Yeah, no. Nah, I'd love to. I love that's that's the dream. That's the dream, man. Yeah. Come so on. it's a, it's definitely worth a watch over the festive period. Perfect. Hello. Sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying. I'm sure just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us rate and review us because it makes the world of difference and the more reviews we get the more rates we get the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral whatever that means okay back to the chat so you've got your own production company for court films i know you had a you had a production company in jamaica talk me through the process of coming to london and setting up your own production company and also why you decided to do that as opposed to going down the more traditional route i know you said you know you worked at studios but um yeah doing that as opposed to working for maybe a tv production company um to be honest because i feel like subconsciously i did it for the same reason jamaica why i did it here like at the time when we were here so i was working in pinewood and you know trying to get like little commercial gigs direct a little, I don't know, corporate video or whatever. Yeah. And my friends were doing the same thing. Max was doing a similar thing. Natasha, Lara, they were all doing the same thing. But we'd realized that... Were well, these your friends? We, sorry to interrupt. But did you meet my friends guys at film school? school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. my friends at film school. Okay. So, you know, it was like, oh, you know, like, it was almost that question. I was like, oh, let's form a collective where we can help. I was like, let's form a collective where we can work on each other's stuff and help each other make work and then max is like yo if we form a company then come then we can approach bigger clients because we're a company versus an individual yeah and it was like oh yeah that that makes sense and it did work out in that way where we became a company same people who are helping each other on our own shit but we became a company and now we can approach bigger clients. We can start building up our, like, you know, website, all of that stuff. You know, just more legitimacy, almost. Yeah. And I guess then when we started making our own narrative work, like Dreaming Was Black, it was like, cool, our company owns this product. The company has the accolades of this thing. You know, it just made more sense in terms of directing because I feel like you can get jobs at production companies and all of these things. But how do you direct? Mm-hmm. And that was the thing for us where it was like, we want to direct work. So yeah, we can work at a production company, but we'll be running or like being production coordinating or some other shit where it's like, we want to just direct stuff. It's exactly what I did. Same. So, yeah, same and so that was it. It was just like, let's just direct stuff. So let's make a company to do that. And it's a grind, isn't it? It's not easy. When oh, you, no, when you no, start no, doing no. that, because obviously there's so many production companies out there, but if you, you stick to it, I think it is worthwhile in the long run because you have your independence. Like you said, Mm -hmm. you can be more creative and then that is going to have, you know, that will inform you as a director for when you're then working on your own projects. And then not only that you're building all the time, you're building relationships with crew. Yeah. You you then create with, 
Is that the experience that you've you've found? Yeah, no, sure. Because a lot of the people who, a lot of actors who have have we worked with on corporate gigs, we came back and be like, "Yo, you want to be in this web series?" Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly that. You know what I mean? And uh, and yeah, the networks that you get access to, and even yeah, man, it's 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 it's, you work on loads of different things, and you get to play with a lot of toys that you don't necessarily get to play with otherwise. And the support system as well. Just, I guess, mm-hmm. I started with friends. So, you know, the support system of people just investing in your success and you as a person, it was great. It was mm. great for me. Can I ask you, how have you found this past year as a black filmmaker? Have you noticed a shift in terms of the overall energy, uh, in terms of people trying to, make a uh, long-term change and impact or do you feel that you know sometimes in the past there's been lots of noises about trying to make things more diverse but it has taken more of a superficial or short-term you know approach how have you found it or how have you felt that energy to be uh, i'll answer this question knowing that i have some employers who i need to answer this question okay so, yeah understood um I think history has shown us that diversity is cyclical. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget when I did, because this isn't the first time even now. Let's be clear, Black Lives Matter happened in 20, what, 15, 16? Yeah. yeah. And BFI did a whole Black Star, BFI Black Star Symposium. Came, gave speeches, gave the statistics, da-da-da-da-da. How much has changed since then this now? Right mm-hmm. now, that's BFI and all them, man, and, and the industry. Now, again, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. Everybody's now making more commitments. But I remember, never forget in 2016 when I was into because I got that my first paid gig was that made a mini documentary for BSI, BFI Black Star. And they, I was interviewing a director, uh, I guess I can't, yeah, I won't name him. Uh, although I'm sure it's even a business. But he was just like, listen, this is not the first time this has happened. He's like, when, my, when his first feature was made in the 80s, there was this emergence. Channel 4 was made. Loads of black filmmakers, burning in illusion, pressure, all of them, like the... the um, baby mother, all of films were made then. And then they do it, job well done, bye. Early 2000s. Do I have any black content? Okay, cool, new resurgence. But they didn't call back the guys from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They found new guys because it's new talent. Everybody yeah. want to know yeah, who's hot. Who's fresh new thing? Who's the fresh new thing? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do it again. New set get coming. And again, job well done. Off. And he was like, no, we're here again, bro. And no, you're here. Mm-hmm. And all he said to me is like, brother, make sure you get your finance, make sure you ride this wave, get your finances in order until they're no longer caring about you. That's real. And I think as a community, as a black, as a black British community, film industry, I think a lot of my peers are thinking now, how can we make ourselves self-reliant mm. so we don't need? So even when 
Because let's be clear, we've been doing this whole Black Lives Matter thing. Fam, black people have more representation than Asian people, and Asian people are more than us. Mm-mm. So whenever Asian people decide, yo, our thing, why are we always terrorists on screen? We're going to march. Best believe. Wait. We're, we're gone now. We're, we can, oh, too many people. Like, you know what I mean? And, but I need to know that I'm self-sustainable within myself. So even if they want to X me, I can be like, actually, I don't care. Yeah, you don't need them. You probably I don't, don't need them. It's, um, <clears throat> it's exactly what, I, I, what Kevin Hart was saying in an interview I listened mm-hmm. to with Conan O'Brien. You know, this is obviously relating to comedy in his career, but he's asking, yeah. you, where does your drive come from? Why have you got this drive to succeed? And he was you know, framing it. He's like, look, I don't know when they're going to take this away from me. You know? So I need to work so hard that not only am I taken care of, my children's, my children are, their children's children's are, the so generations are, he's thinking, you know, that far ahead, but it's that same thing. It's like the insecurity of, of not knowing when things might be, you know, taken away from you in some respects. Yeah. And, and, and I think I'd say it's more speaking to the idea of self-sustainability. Yeah. This whole idea of a seat at the table, which is a fantastic slogan and phrase, and we should have a seat at the table. Yeah. But I think that at the point that we've realized now is that as long as it is not our table, mm-hmm. we can get kicked off. It's not our table. <laughs> like, so I think that's where my headspace is. And I think where that's where a lot of filmmakers' headspace is, is, mm-hmm. yo, how do we build our own table? So mm-hmm. if for whatever reason, again, most the independent industry with COVID, let's keep it 100 the independent cinema in England is going to struggle. Yeah. At any point in time, if they cut BF, if what, for whatever reason they cut BFI funding, the British film industry dies dead. If not, and it's probably already on life support right now. Right? No. I need to now make sure that even if they kill the BFI, I can still make work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why am I depending on the BFI to make films? Like, you know, and I think that's the same for everything. It's just, I think that's where I'm at now. So to be honest, I don't even, like, I won't lie to you. I know that some of the work I've gotten since, since lockdown has been, oh, we have a black filmmaker, that guy. How does that feel? And for me, it is what it is, man. Like, I'm not going to, like, I, you just have to know what you're going into. Yeah. Like, I know that certain people I've worked with, the only reason why you have considered me is because Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. you need diversity. Yeah. Cool. We know what it is. I'm going to take the money. I'm going to take the credit. I'm going to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. If you're, I just make sure I do my best and my job as an artist. And we'll see if you remember, if you are committed to diversity or not, we'll see. That's not my business. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, yeah, man. It's, for me, it's whatever. I don't think it's anything new. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I'm just more focused on doing my thing. Yeah, I think that's a healthy attitude to take. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the, the only really approach or the only attitude you can take in terms of 
just securing your position and you know in this industry and, and moving forward and being as self-sufficient as possible mm. outside of work okay mm-hmm. what do you do to to relax and unwind and take your mind off off it all um well it boy it depends lot on that you have to change your habits <laughs> no i know man let's let, let's let's <laughs> this last year has like changed everything let's let's pretend we don't even know what zoom is what would the ajani pre-covid of been doing pre-COVID, what was ajani doing um you know what yeah i really i don't know i feel like i enjoy company actually and not like going out and all of them and excitement like that like normally we'd be just like chilling just relaxing with friends yeah me and a couple of men them like the other day like we have a group of friends of us where we try to have like dinners it was supposed to be like a dinner every quarter i mean it's happened maybe it happened twice a year yeah but stuff like that just relaxing and chatting with friends laughing you know what i mean yeah. Yeah, I think that's more my thing. I'm less, and this lockdown really exacerbate that because I'm like, bro, this bar thing, ten pound for one drink, <laughs> we can buy a whole bottle of rum yeah. for twenty pound, buy some chasers, square in the living room, bro. Like, you know, why am I spending this money? Yeah. Like, why am, Going back to what you were saying earlier, that's one of the big epiphanies still come out, right? This past year. Yeah, it's like, I don't need this shit. Like, why? Um, even though, even though when lockdown just kind of came, like lifted, mm. I was like, "Oh, John, let's go for dinner." I'm like, "Me, if you want food, come to my house. We'll cook some shit." Yeah. Empire. We need to give people thirty pound for food, which may taste bad. My food, I know, tastes good. Like, let's do that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It really makes you think what you're... And I think that's what I've enjoyed and that's what I enjoy still, like, just good times. Yeah. You know, like, games nights or, like, like, I've, I, I learned about this shit. Um, you know the board game Catan? No. Bro, it's like a medieval monopoly where you buy, like, hay and minerals <laughs> and all that shit. It's almost like uh, one of them super nerdy RPG games. Okay. Like, a board game. And shit. That shit's great. Let's <laughs> 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 play that shit. You know? Or, like, yeah, man. That stuff. That's how I feel like I relax. I like just enjoying time with friends, man. Low-key yeah. stuff. And are you spiritually inclined in any way? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm Christian, and and I feel like that's also been that's also yeah interesting thing actually understanding religion like understanding faith and your religion and how much that like what's this whole idea these grand questions of what's your purpose what are you called to do all these things like when shit like this happening really make you question that like what am I supposed to do and mm-hmm. uh, yeah man I just feel like. I try to stay steadfast, not well, but try. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also feel like it's weird. I feel like there's a saying, well, not saying, but there's a there's this guy, uh, evangelist who was like, God didn't make a table, he made a tree. So man, have to scrape the stone, sharpen it, chop down the tree, line it, all that table. Yeah, yeah. So... I think a lot in that way of like, okay, cool. 
I have all the raw ingredients. For whatever I want to do, I have all the raw ingredients. How do I mend or break or mold all these ingredients for what I want to build? So I think that's, yeah, that's where I'm at with faith right now. And how does that manifest? Does that come about through visualization? Do you write affirmations? Or is it just sort of, I know you're just stewing it over internally. Yeah, um, it takes, I guess, I don't know, I guess some people would call it meditation. But for me, it's just thinking, like you said, just string it over internally. Mm. Really asking myself questions like, what do I want? Like, or what am I supposed to do? Not, I guess, what do I want? What do I need? And what am I supposed to have? Yeah. And it's really a balancing act of those three things, you know, and really... It's a difficult thing to answer, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but for me, what it is that I want? What is it I need? Those things are forever changing, you know? For sure. And so, particularly as a creative, that can be quite destabilizing. Well, I guess, how do you navigate? I'd ask how you navigate that. Because for me, it's the hard challenges. When you get a setback, what does that mean? Does it mean I should work harder or does it mean it's not for me? Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, I would say it's a dream was black. Bro, the fir- we shot the first two episodes, yeah. Christmas come, the lead, the lead actress was supposed to go, went to Nigeria for holiday. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. When you come back, show me. January come. Oh, hey, you know, sent a text. Oh, hey, you know, just wondering when you're coming back. Family issues, staying for a couple more weeks. Counting. Email a couple weeks. Hey, like. That's the worst. Update. <laughs> None. Tutus. She, she said she moved to Nigeria. I said, this time we spent about £2,000 on two episodes. She's supposed to be in like six of the episodes. I said. So now we either recast her and start over or just be like, maybe it wasn't. I could have just said, boy, it, it never work out, make something else. Push through. And then there are a million instances like that where we push through to Dreaming Was Black. And every setback, was a blessing because what came afterwards almost was like, how did it ever exist without this? Yeah, 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 yeah. How, like, even changing the ending, how did I even think that that was a good idea? Yeah. Like, you know, and, but I think it's a tough thing to navigate when, when something negative happens, is that a sign of, that you should, that it's not for you? Or is that a sign that you should persevere harder? Mm. right and I think that's a tough I'd ask you how do you navigate that for yourself as a creative a lot of it is intuition as as like flaky as that sounds you know deep down inside what the right decision is I think you can analyse it all you want but there Mm. will be a gut feel and you know with my short film Swiped and well, get on to this because I have another question relating to this that I want to ask you. Oh, this idea would be cool to do this short about these guys on these mopeds uh, taking people's phones because they want to make them more present. That was it. And the idea, mm-hmm. that idea was going around for about a year, you know, maybe about a year. Mm-hmm. And I just knew I, just, I had to make it. I just knew that I had to make that. I've had loads of other ideas, but I didn't necessarily choose them. I chose that idea because deep down inside, I knew I, had, I just had to make that. And so that's the only way I can, I can really 
explain it. There'll be other things like recently, for instance, I've been thinking, you know, I should set up a side hustle, man, some, some drop shipping business. Yeah. On the side, you know, for when it gets slow on, on that side of things, you know, you're thinking that, but then, and I would start to research it and all that sort of stuff. And then I just stopped and I was just like, but is it a distraction, Steve? It is, isn't it? Yeah. And so that sometimes I have to rein myself in, you know, cause I'm, I'm ADHD anyway. So I've got, there's a lot of energy going on. I just mm. have to learn how to anchor myself and like, you know, I meditate all that sort of stuff as well. And I, I need a lot of things in place to keep me grounded. Mm. And when I'm grounded, then I'm in a, I'm in a better position to make decisions that are probably the right ones. Mm. Quick note on, on intuition actually, cause I, I, don't, I read a lot, I read a lot of stuff. I try to just to learn, and there's a there's a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. I don't. Know oh yeah, yeah. And but in it, it was one thing fascinating in that book where he was like, they got like the top gamblers in the world, and said, "Yo, we're gonna want you man to play a game in it. We want you to figure, but we're not gonna tell you what the game is. We're just gonna like the two decks, and we need to find out what's the good hand and what's the bad hand just by turning decks." Mm-hmm. And they said it took, they took them about 30 or so cards flipping for them to figure out, all right, cool, this is the game, this is the bad deck, this is a good deck, boom. But then they had like neurons, like, you know, they had that shit like tapped onto their, their face and stuff to measure their impulse and stuff. And they're like, by the fifth card, their brain was already reacting to the bad hand. Like, and then literally their hand would hover over the bad hand and their, their heartbeat would change. And it's like, even though they consciously were just like, flip, flip, okay, cool, flip. flip. Even though they didn't consciously know, their subconsciousness knew within five cards. And it took them 30 more cards for their consciousness to figure it out. And I feel like that's that, that intuition and tapping into that. It's like, Finding a way, just as an artist, I feel like you need to find a way to tap into that so quickly. Mm. Of like, this is what it is. My consciousness may not quite have figured out why it is what it is, mm-hmm. but I just need to believe that this is what it is and go for it. Yeah, and there's ways that you can do, you can strengthen that intuition. Like I mm-hmm. feel, I'm always in conflict with you know being on my phone, etc., and all that kind of thing because I feel that side of things you know, that's a distraction and it can disrupt from that flow state, you know, when you're not entirely plugged in Mm. because you're being pulled in different directions. I I, I wanted to ask you then, how do you decide which idea to pursue? Because I'm sure you're the same. I'm sure you have ideas constantly coming to you. Tons, tons. I think it's similar to what you said. Like I'll have loads of ideas. I'll be like, yo, this is great. I run up, right? Treatment, 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 script, script, script. I'm like, mm, don't really like it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then go, but I feel like there's some ideas which just keep, no matter yeah. what much I shake it, I'll be like running. And then I'm just like, oh, no, that's, and I think that's, that's it. Yeah. Those yeah. are the ideas that you need to keep doing. The ones that keep, because I think your mind knows it, it'll just keep, bruv. Like, yeah, that's yeah. it. You idiot, what are you doing? That's, you know, yeah. It keeps, it just keeps ringing into your head. 
yeah totally so on the subject of of books um are there any books that stand out to you that you've read that have had a, a big impact on you in your life there are a couple actually um switch 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 chip and dan heath switch. okay i don't know that one nah it's sick bro. <laughs> So you, I read. So I started reading because I just felt like I didn't want to go back to school, but I still needed to learn, and I feel mm-hmm. like I didn't know a lot of shit. So okay. I was like, instead of going to our course or our online course, just buy the fucking book. Because film school, halfway through film school, I started reading the book list, and I was like, half of the shit these guys say is in the books, but nobody reads the books. So I was just like, I was like, cool, let me read about other shit. And, you know, so I started reading on, like, productivity, all that, you know, how to kill procrastination and all that self-help. And a lot of self-help books are great, but they don't, you, like, you finish the book, and like, yeah! You go off for, like, two, three days, and you're like, yeah. What's that like? It's exactly that. You yeah, you build, you have this this burst of energy that lasts for me a week at max. A week, I feel amazing for a week, and then just goes out the window. But but switch, yeah, I would say, and I never forget. I was reading switch, and I was on the train, and a guy was literally walked past me, and he was like, "Mate, that book is gonna change your life." No, I love that shit. Who's it? Who's it by? I'm in the introduction, yeah. This has been in the introduction, but Switch is, I would say, it's a practical book okay. about how to change. Okay. It's not just like, be a better person, or like, think positive thoughts, or all of that fuckery. It's like, nah, bro, like, do this. Okay. It's like, because the whole idea is that you don't have to now be a productive person. You can trick your brain into being, being productive. productive. Who's it by? I'm literally writing this down. Yeah, Chip and Dan Heath. Chip, ah, oh, you did say, sorry. Chip and Dan yeah. Heath. Okay, that's me typing like, away. And in just, this is stories that they tell. The way it's written is really good as well because they tell it through stories. So it's not okay. just, again, like I've read other books, Focus, The Hidden Driver of Success. Great book as well. But Which one's that, sorry? It's kind of Focus. Focus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've got but it. It's, it's a kind of academic book. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Switch is just these men just like, listen, we're not going to waste time giving you the psychology of the shit. Just know that it works. Okay. And just simple things like, um, for example, they're like, if you want to, to giving yourself visual cues to do stuff, yeah. to make it easier. So they did a study where, you know, they told maids, so maids were cleaning a hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they told half of the maids, yo, you know that when you, you spread the bed, yeah, you burn more calories. It's like a workout. They were like, oh, really? They tracked them. They told half and didn't tell the other half. And they tracked them for the next two weeks. The women who got told that were burning more, were now burning more calories. Wow. Because you no know, thought of yeah, yeah, you trick your mind, don't you? As a workout, yeah. And like they was doing the same shit, yeah. but now for some reason they just felt the vim to just yeah, let me pull that duvet, yeah. like you know what I mean. Or like they were saying another cue is because it's like the big thing with working out or running is there's so many things that tell you no, hmm. and they're like actually if you put they're like simple things just like setting an alarm that is not accessible to you 
Yeah, you got to get out of bed for it. You have yeah. to actually get yeah. up out of your bed. Yeah, to yeah, turn yeah. It That's a good trick. That's a really good trick. It's just like, mm. bro, instead of the snooze, because, bro, the amount of times I've snoozed my iPhone, it's actually like I, the first time it happened, I was like, bro, that's scary. I've snoozed out my iPhone completely asleep. <laughs> yeah. like, because I put my phone like one place all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but it's like, actually, if I went to bed and my, my iPhone is here and my bed's on the other side of the room, if I had to get up, brother, I'm awake now. Yeah, yeah. Might as well. It's the one. I was the first half of this year, I was doing this, I read a really good, inspiring book called The 5AM Club. I was getting up mm. at 5 a.m., writing at my desk by 8. It was no. great. But I well, it just didn't keep up with it, man. <laughs> just like yeah. second half of the year just crashed, you know? Yeah, nah. This, this year has been, I think this year for me has been split down in lockdown one, lockdown two. Yeah, same. Lockdown same. one, exceptional. Yeah, same. I was, I was running. I was working out for the first time. Yeah. I was reading tons of books, writing, all of that. Yeah. It opened back up and I just felt the shift because now Christian's calling me. He's like, yo, these people want to have meeting. Everybody want to have meeting. Now I'm going out outside and I have cool shooting. That's great. Lockdown two and I'm just slumped. The weather's now different. Everything's just like, this is shit. Like, lockdown two was ter- terrible. So it's, it's yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, no, it's been, it's been an interesting one. It's been interesting, man. Look, we can, you know, I think it's just for everyone who's listening to this, you can just look back at it and just be proud that you've made it through. You, you know? made it, bro. Made Listen, it like, I think surviving this time, it's, so, it's actually terrible. When you think about it as well, like, I thought, I thought it was shit for me when I left uni. I graduated uni with, with an architecture degree and the financial crash had just happened. Mm. Nobody hiring. And I'm like, this is dead, bro. These man, these man, X my career. Like, this is this generation's fucked up. When I'm looking at kids now, imagine I got my predicted grade. What? Oh my god! That'd be crazy. But my my goddaughter's doing Zoom classes. What is that? I'm like, bro, nah. They they actually. I was like, boy, I thought I had it bad. These uh-huh. kids is messed. Yeah, let's let's hope we've hit a ceiling, but I do wonder what's in store. Um, what? <laughs> that even I mean that we could go down a rabbit hole, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask you the final question I ask all guests to come on the podcast is, um, what does the idea of balance mean to you, or not, Ajani? What does it? What does balance mean to you? Yeah, I say or not because some people um, don't necessarily believe in it as a concept. Hmm. <sighs> I believe in balance. I believe in balance, but I also believe in waves in the sense of peaks and troughs. So sometimes it's everyday film. Sometimes it's no day film. Or some days it's super busy. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's exercise. Sometimes it's, I think there's a season. For everything, there's a season. Mm-hmm. So I believe in seasonal change. But I do that. I do think that seasons create equilibrium. So I think that's where I look at balance at the moment. That's a lovely way of putting it. Really lovely. Um, all right, man. Where can people keep up with your work and what you're up to? Um, I'm on the socials seasonally. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, um, on Instagram, on Twitter, Instagram, S.Ajani, A D J A N I, on Twitter, at the Ajani. Same thing. Um, yeah, man. Great. I'll add it in the show notes. All right, mate, look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I, lo- I love your energy, man. You've got such a great, yes, such a great energy. I can, I can vibe off you. It's, it's been great being here, bro, and chatting. It's weird. Like, we still haven't met, like... I know, we still haven't met IRL. <laughs> Soon. 2021. 2021, bro. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Look, have, have a great Christmas and New Year's, and I'll see you on the other side. Same, man. All right, man. All the best. Perfect. And there we have it. Ajani Salmon in the building via Zoom for the first episode of Balancing Acts of 221. And what a way to kick things off. As you can tell, I very much enjoyed that conversation and I hope you did too. And in the next episode, I did mention before Christmas that there may or may not be an episode with Shane Todd. Well, that did happen. It was also recorded for Christmas and it'll be coming out next week. Shane is one of Northern Ireland's biggest comedians. He's a very funny guy and we have a fantastic conversation charting his career, his approach to his comedy and loads more. So do check that one out. And how are you guys doing now that we're in lockdown number, whatever? Feel free to reach out and share your journey, how you're getting on with your creative endeavors. There's certain things that I've talked about, I'm sure, far too many times throughout these episodes that I do that keep me ticking over, particularly in these weird and wonderful times. Try them if you fancy it. Might work for you, might not. Some of them sound a bit mad, but I start off every morning with a freezing cold shower and that just shakes me out of any funk that I might be in. Meditate. Uh, you can try it in small chunks. Start for like five minutes or so. You can do like guided meditations. That always helps clear my mind. I like to read out some affirmations. They make me feel good. And I do exercise pretty much every morning. And uh, yeah, just things like that. Just kickstart the day move around and it's particularly I find when you're working from home get out for a walk every hour just even if it's for a few minutes I know if it's freezing cold listen to a podcast etc listen I'm no life coach but those things uh, definitely help me particularly when it comes to creativity and if you're hitting a, a brick wall etc so yeah let me know what your tactics and strategies are how are you pushing yourself through or not pushing yourself through how are you getting through these times let me know if you want to, uh, you can tweet me at offkeysteve and I'm also at offkeysteve on Instagram or feel free to drop me an email, steve at offkeyworld.com. Thanks so much for listening and as always, if you haven't done, please do rate and review the podcast on Apple and uh, subscribe and tell your friends. Until next time, see you later. Balancing Acts is made in association with the comedy crowd who support independent comedy creators. They showcase the best new videos on ComedyCrowdTV.com and across media platforms. They support independent comedy creators and showcase the best new videos, including adult animation, sketch shows, web series, viral hits, and lots more. So if you're a creator, then do check them out. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.